Boom. Hello and welcome to the Executive Protection Lifestyle Podcast, Season 2. With your host, Byron Rogers. This podcast is dedicated to the Executive Protection Practitioner, the Private Security Professional. In this podcast, we're going to talk about the mental, emotional, psychological, physiological fitness that goes into being an efficient and effective Executive Protection Agent. Whether you're in law enforcement, whether you're a mom that's looking at how to protect her children or a father that's focused on how how to protect his family. I believe this podcast has something for all of you. We might even get into some tales from the crypts of true Hollywood stories from time to time. I'm doing this podcast because I feel the reality of this job is simple. If you really want to be good at executive protection, it's more than just a job. It really is a lifestyle. And those of you who've been in the game for any serious amount of time, you already know what I'm saying is true. So if that sounds interesting to you, Enjoy the show. Out. Boom. Yo, what's going on, you guys? Byron Rogers here with Executive Protection Lifestyle. I'm here with Ilya Umansky, hanging out. Um, we're going to talk about some high-level things that um, I, I, uh, I've really, really been looking for people who specialize in for a while, and I'm excited. How are you doing today, Ilya? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's going to be awesome. And your companies are uh, Sphere State and Current Consulting, correct? Yes, sir. Outstanding. Um, I'd say that in the few years I've been here for a little over a decade in the private security industry, um, I've done a number of different interviews. Uh, the things we spoke about briefly have turned out to be some of the most important skills that I've used over the years. And so, you know, I really haven't found anyone else in the space that's touching on a lot of them. So um, I'm really excited. I'm just really excited to have this conversation, my friend. Well, um, I, I also thank you for um, thinking of this and uh, allowing me the opportunity to share this with you. So uh, I look forward to speaking with you. 100%. And I get uh, kind of on that, I get a lot of questions almost daily about how can I get into the industry? You know, how can I uh, improve the quality of my career? Um, and so I want to assure you guys listening that this podcast, we're going to touch on some things um, that really are the answers to how you can do that, in my opinion. Um, that really, if you were going to give them just a quick snippet about kind of what you do a little bit and, and your background and what we'll touch on, what would you say, Ilya? My background this is just, is very, just give them a taste. Give them a taste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, no, no worries. My background is very unorthodox by the standards and measurements of, uh, I would suspect, your audience. Because yes, uh, um, I'm, I was a college student. I got picked out from a master's degree program at John Jay College of Criminal Justice uh, by, at the time, a person um, who basically just literally gave me a shot. Okay. That's how easy it is. It was, it was literally just a stroke of luck, if you will. And his name is Paul DiMatteis. Uh, he was actively looking for resources at John Jay College. And then he said, OK, come on board uh, to Prudential Financial. And uh, I started in the private sector. I, did, I haven't served in the military or law enforcement. Uh, I've learned everything uh, I know today on the job and obviously being a continual learner. Uh, so um, I started in the global security department. Um, worked there for uh, five, six years. Uh, pretty much, I would measure. I've done 
in six years, or our team has done in six years, more than some people do in 20. And wow. uh, that's because of 9-11, because I joined in 2000. And 2001, of course, rolled in, and uh, we were running on more cylinders than we could count. And then uh, I moved on to Kroll, became a consultant, um, and stayed with Kroll for 11 years. Uh, I like being part of teams for a fairly significant number of years. It's a, it, it's great to learn about the company. I've, I've had great privilege of working with very knowledgeable people. And uh, again, a learning opportunity, learning curve. I uh, One of the first projects I worked on was the renovation of the United Nations headquarters in New York City. Wow. So like they threw me into that and I had to learn. And um, then for 11 years, I've been with Kroll from 2012 uh, until 2017. I was based in Asia, in Hong Kong, where I am now, again. And uh, yeah, so I've been both in-house security uh, manager, if you will, then uh, a consultant. And what does Kroll do exactly, just for the listeners? K-R-O-L-L. It's a, uh, one of the pioneering investigations firms uh, in the uh, private sector. So uh, they've been uh, started, Kroll uh, was started by a, uh, a, I think a prosecutor, if you will, a person who used to work for a prosecutor's office. And he was a district attorney uh, and uh, he decided to help out his family. His name is Jules Kroll. Through that helping out, uh, he solved a, uh, a fraud case and he scratched his head. He says, there's no private security, like business, like industry that we can, you know, that we have uh, that serves these corporates. And um, he started the private investigations house uh, that very quickly grew. Um, and uh, it's now a global firm, um, very well recognized. Uh, and uh, they, at some point, they, they said, not only do we want to do investigations, but we also want to do security. So uh, both through organic growth and some acquisitions, uh, they expanded their security practice. So uh, today, you'll find them doing a lot of incident management. They do executive protection. They do um, uh, a lot of cyber work. Uh, they have a, they've established a you know, separate cyber group. So that's, that's what they are. I've spent uh, years working with them, doing investigative work, doing security work, and everything in between. And then now, what are you up to these days? Uh, so imagine that a consultant goes to clients and, uh, you know, you talk to them. I'm sure you've seen this, right? You go to clients, you talk to them, you give them advice. They Great they, advice. Great advice, man. With, you know, you best know, security. This will be bomb-proof, everything. Yes, uh, bomb-proof. <laughs> we're, we're good, you know. So everybody's smiling. You give them a report. You walk away. They do nothing. Or if they do, they do either a third of or they uh, they just shelve it. They they just don't understand how to move on, right? Yeah. So I scratched my head. I've been doing that for, for many years, and I said, okay, well, you know, something needs to change in the way we give advice, maybe in the way we appreciate our clients. We appreciate their lifestyle. We appreciate uh, how they. Uh, how they think about protecting themselves and protecting their businesses. And so, um, because what, what happens, what happens right yeah. after they do nothing is they <laughs> go and give all the funding you asked for to something like a pinata party 
or, or something and you sit there and you watch and you're like, we could have got the whole thing done because there's that disconnect in their minds and value yep. and, and exactly you're, what you're, you're talking so about. Right. You're I'm so sorry, right. go ahead. No, no, uh, you're, you're so right because um, we I've seen funds diverted to various other things or <laughs> departments and, and consulting teams uh, reduced or taken off projects just yeah. because clients Moving on, they're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I nothing happened. I, I'm okay now. I'm not feeling it. Nothing's happening. I'm not feeling it. We're moving on, right? And and so uh, today, what I do is I help what's called right the ship. Okay. Okay. So when the, when the client uh, looks at the current environment, when they see, well, wow, uh, you know, friend of mine with another firm, oh man, they tanked. They lost a ton of money. They had incidents. Blah blah blah. Then another company goes, oh, yeah, you know, we're, we're losing money. We're uh, in bad shape. We thought we were good. We thought we had everything ready. We're not ready. Uh, especially with, with COVID, a lot of companies had to completely rethink the way they operate, right? Yeah. So how do you allow people to work from home, for example? I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, there are a lot of things to consider. And so what I help companies is um, to remove assumptions and remove this overconfidence from what their current plans are, which okay. then helps build what's called um, resilience. So you're you're ready to face the crisis. First of all, you should be pre- kind of preventing it from happening in the first place, but you're ready to face the crisis. You're, you understand what resources you have at your disposal. You've, well, you've practiced using those resources, and then you're able to not only bounce back to the same level, but but grow from the experience of this crisis and make your organization not only more sustainable for your own benefit, for the benefit of the organization, but also for the benefit of those who are observing the organization. Okay, the next investor, the next uh, regulator, uh, and so on. And so today, I look at the variety of things that are very disjointed. For example, people will say, oh, we have access control, we have video surveillance. Beautiful, but how do they work with the rest of your uh, protection measures uh, in order to meet business objectives? And when I ask that question, it's like, eh, what? We talk about Maybe, so, uh, uh, so this is what I do now. I help people, um, uh, organizations, to remove assumptions, remove overconfidence, and understand that they can be resilient and give them a platform. For becoming resilient. Wow. So like accuracy in crisis strategy and planning, really, and then building out more uh, more layers so that there's actually resilience and then helping them leverage leverage those events uh, to advantages. It sounds totally. like, in my own words, yeah. at least, my like growth. No, no, no. <laughs> Outstanding. Extremely valuable. I love it, man. I really do. Uh, and then Atticus, Atticus uh, Polskins gave me this referral, you guys. My buddy Atticus, I got to give him a quick shout out. Uh, he was a young Marine I met at a, I think it was Max Joseph's executive protection course. And uh, we trained together. Great young Marine. He was like, how can I get into the game? I uh, had the honor of having him on one of my teams briefly because he's one of those guys. It was easy. It was like, I just got to put this guy in there. I guess got to give this guy the ball. He's going to make everyone look good. So that happened. And then he was just off to the races, races. And then he's calling me back, you know, and, you know, we're liaising and talking and reconnecting. And then 
uh, he connected me with you, Ilya, and and he's been, you know, just his way of um, of doing business. I believe will help him go far because he's very relationship centric, which I is a breath of fresh air in my opinion. He is amazing. Uh, the, he is one of the people who inspire me. Uh, when you know we, we all have this uh, a bit of an imposter syndrome, we're always thinking, "Am I right? Am I saying yeah. the right thing?" Yes. Right thing. One of those guys that uh, really um, helps me stay focused uh, on building ways of helping the next generation of practitioners. Uh, and he uh, not only shares resources with me, but as you can as you can see, he introduced us, so we yes. can have further conversation because what we're doing is we're really breaking boundaries between our ecosystems. I could I could do this exactly my in my niche forever and uh, we'll still be nowhere, right? But mm-hmm. when we start uh, reaching across those niches, right? When we start saying, hey, you know, I'm doing this, but like you, you may not have heard about it, let's talk, right? Um, that's what he's good at. He really uh, is able to uh, connect people that he that, that really could uh, make um, improvements in the ways practitioners learn. 100%, yeah. And that's the same vision he showed me. And I, I love the way you said that we're really breaking boundaries and connecting with each other. Um, yep. And that's been one of my biggest goals, you know, is the connectivity. There's so many rock stars out there. Like I'm like a pretty mediocre guy, actually. Like I'm like, I'm good at what I do. I know I can do what I do and I can make it look pretty, but like, I'm not like one of the rock stars, you know what I mean? Like there's so many great guys out there that can do this job so well. And it's like, we can learn so much, um, you know, together we can achieve more, but really, we can all make ourselves so much better, you know, by sharing all this knowledge. Um, and so that's kind of always been my endeavor because I, I wouldn't be here if there weren't people that brought me under their wing and exactly. helped me learn how to survive in this game, <laughs> you know? Sure, for sure. That's, for that's sure. beautiful. So, so go ahead. I, what I want to add to this is um, the only thing that we all need to start thinking about is really um, how do we take our conversations and our interaction and networking and make it a little bit more structured. And this is what I've been doing. I'll tell you more about Sphere State. I think you, you wanted to, to learn about that as well. But uh, that's the part that, that Atticus helps me be inspired about and uh, be uh, focused on. So um, yeah, I really appreciate what you're saying, uh, how we can empower the next generation, really help them to be successful. Uh, and at the same time, learn a trick or two ourselves. 100% always is even with my course with uh, the league of executive protection specialists training day success package. Like I'm their peer, you know what I mean? Like, yes, weekly I come on there. I help people with everything, but weekly, you know, not only do I coach and counsel weekly, I learn and weekly, you know, it's, it's a, such a beautiful reciprocation, you know? Um, sure. And it's just, I don't know that I, I, I run from the kind of instructor suit, but um, we're all peers, man. And, and, and you end up on another detail. You got to learn everything all over again. So you got the cup's got to be at least half empty all over again. You know, it's, it's an interesting, interesting world industry. That's awesome. And then you mentioned, um, and we might get into this. I mean, obviously we're going to get into this, but I just, you mentioned, um, helping the next generation be better. Mm-hmm. And, um, how do you see your contribution? What what would you what's your role in that? I was stupid about it for a long time. I was actually <laughs> I was very selfish about it. I was saying, mm-hmm. oh no, 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 how do I make myself better? 
Right. Okay. And that stuck with me for 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 some time. I was uh, it, it resulted in me being um, well less collaborative, uh, right. less reciprocal, if you will. But what the way I think about it now is, we're very very good at building these networks of relationships. Yes. What we're not very good about is really collectively agreeing on what the fundamental knowledge should be. Mm. And so, like, where do we draw it? Because we, until even well, until recently, even today, we are still being called a trade. I'm hearing this left and right, okay? And so, I don't believe it. I think we're a profession. We're a profession. However, 100%. if we compare ourselves against other professions, you know, look at doctors. What is their pathway to becoming a doctor, right? Is it well-structured? Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. If, if uh, you look at architects, okay, how do architects become architects, right? School, um, certain qualifications, degree, then you get certified, you get a license, become an architect, right? Then you look at engineers. How do engineers become engineers, right? Also, a very defined pathway. Why do you get so many questions? How do I get into this industry? Because we have no pathway. Okay, my biggest, biggest challenge to anyone in the industry is I can beat myself in the chest and tell you war stories any day. Okay, yeah. but what am I doing to help structure the pathway for the next uh, young or aspiring professional? So, what I've been doing is I've been focusing on building uh, a platform for, I'm not saying it's all inclusive, I'm not saying it's all, you know, it's, it's comprehensive. Magic uh, beans. Yeah, so it's not magic beans. So by any, by no magic beans? Come <laughs> on, man. Podcast is over. <laughs> You're so, trying to get them no, beans, son. No, I'm just playing. No, no beans. No. Maybe I'll include <laughs> the link to beans. I don't know. Hey, uh, yeah, those are the good ones. But, but what I've done, I, I structured... Um, something that took me and a lot of my colleagues to different levels as we progressed in our careers. I just observed and I applied those observations to building what I call a skill domains platform. So just what you say about, uh, you know, how you like communicate soft skills. There's, oh, there's yeah, a lot of about soft skills, right? So. Yeah. Soft skills, if you only learn that, you're still dead in the war. Mm. It's nice to have soft skills, nice to be a nice, smiling individual, get along personally. But if the next question comes, how do you run in advance? Okay. And if you don't know how to do that, you're dead in the war. Yeah. So, and you're selling nothing. <laughs> yeah. On the flip side, you could have some technical skills, you could have some focused understanding. But if you don't know how to talk to people, and I've seen a lot of people in our industry that can't, right? right. You're dead in the water anyway, right? So you don't, you'll immediately see how you're not accepted in certain circles, how you're not able to progress with your career. So what I've done was I built seven domains of knowledge. So just thinking about architects, doctors, engineers, I said, well, can we have a platform? Can we have something that takes a young practitioner, no matter what niche they decide to get into later on? I don't care. That's beautiful. But if we start with the premise that, I'm looking to be a protector. And that's a wide, wide term. Okay. Yes. But life, information, facilities, what are we looking for? Right. No matter where you decide to become a protector, 
if you try to align your skills along these seven skill domains, I think you'll benefit. And this is what I've been up to. Outstanding. This is so good. I want to clap. It's beautiful because it's, uh, it's beautiful to me because we've been working on the same type of thing for, and, and you're, like your way is just awesome. Like from what I was seeing, I'm so excited to bring it to the game because like my stuff covers just different things in different ways. And there's just this nice overlap. So we're going to have to, I mean, hopefully we'll, we'll do some things with the league as well too, man. Um, Cause we've joined forces with a number of brands to offer more robust things to the group sure. Um, sure. to training day. But this is a problem I've been dealing with since I've started my brand. It's something that I uh, believe deeply in because my inbox is always full of the same question. How do I get into the game? What do I do? You know? And um, so that's awesome, man. So uh, into the next questions, I guess the actual interview questions, that was just the appetizer y'all. Um, so who would you say you are at your core, Elia? Yeah, this is a psychology background, man. I yeah, I know. Right. Anything in the way, you know? I, at, at my core, um, I, at least I aspire to be a kind human being, uh, a person who is, I think, is very inspired by being able to help someone else. I think that's, uh, that's who I am at my core. The way I look at like, my, my, my personal life, uh, what, what, what brings me greatest joy is when I've been able to lend a hand, even kind of without without any recognition, but I've been able to lend a hand to my son, my daughter, my wife, my mom, whoever, right? My brothers. Uh, and I see fruits of my labor and I see that they're better off for it. I think that's that's the way I'm at my book. I try to be kind and helpful. Outstanding. Yeah. Uh, and you almost, I feel like maybe I'm, you know, but I feel like when you really start to, when that happens, it's like the, one of the biggest payoffs is like priceless. You know what I mean? When you live your life by that, I don't know, like I'm contribution centric. That's the way I say it. And when you can, when you see that happen, the payoff is just like, it's amazing. Uh, it's, it's fuel. It, 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 you know, it's sometimes tough to understand when you're young. Um, yes. You know, just my 20s, 30s, it's, you know, maybe didn't register as well as it does now. But you at some point arrive at the same question. So I appreciate you asking it because I feel like uh, this is the question that we don't ask ourselves often enough. Like, who am I at my core as I prepare to take this next leap? Or as I prepare to join this next organization? How many people drop out from organizations that they join just simply because they're used all alive? Yeah. So... Knowing who you are at your core is a very important quality. Outstanding. Yeah, it's 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 grounding, you know. And even when you're wrong, you shoot at what you thought it was and you find out what it really is. Which so you, you okay. can't lose when you start when you put that North Star up there. Yeah. Um totally. yeah, man. Well uh tactical background real quick, just because they always, you know, want to know, you know, EP guys are. <laughs> I have to I have to make sure that I'm able to describe it properly. So, okay. Uh, in terms of executive protection, close protection capability, I would be considered a project manager. Okay, so my job has been to interview operators for 
different types of scopes, different types of assignments, hmm. build teams of operators, and then let them do their magic. Okay. Ooh. So I have not, I have not personally, okay, been trained to go and carry out, let's say, a protection assignment. However, I like to, to the point about my core, I've been behind the scenes helping mm-hmm. manage crises, helping families travel, helping executives be protected at board meetings. Uh, but my presence was not in front of those protectees. And uh, uh, so my tactical background is I understand enough to tell the team what work they need to accomplish, that set the platform, set the goals, set the scope, set the hours and expectations, and then let competent people do their work. Uh, so I guess from a tactical perspective in EP, this, is, this has been my background. I've worked in places like Bangladesh, Philippines, obviously the US market, um, several other places in Asia. So, you know, have both domestic and international experience with that. Outstanding, man. Outstanding. Well, that's good. And it's good. I love to try to gain information from all levels, you know, us guys on the ground, really, it's, it's quite an advantage just to get that perspective. Do you speak any other languages just out of curiosity? I was born in Moscow, so I'm fluent in Russian. Um, but I, I moved to the States when I was 17 years old. So I guess by Russian standards, my Russian sounds terrible, but I still, I still get by. It's fine. Yeah, but, yeah. It, it, you know, it's, uh, yeah, so that's my second language. Oh, so they call you an American and all this stuff, probably. They, uh, yeah, yeah. They make, definitely don't pass as, uh, as a proper Russian, I can tell you that. Right, right. I already, I've been speaking English for such a long time and dealing with people in English that like, when I get to Russia or speak to Russians, they're like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Good to go. So you mentioned uh, complex problems uh, the private security field has not been able to solve uh, on your website. How would yep. you approach that statement? So um, I believe the way to approach this statement is to shed our profession. So like take a step outside of your profession and just think about, okay, the organization has business objectives. Any human that let's say high net worth executive, they have their lifestyle. They have certain objectives that have nothing to do with protection. Okay. So, but at the same time, in order to achieve those objectives, for example, high net worth families, right? Stay out of trouble, right? Travel safely, look after your family, protect your residents, you know, just you know, kind of feel comfortable and engaged with your lifestyle, whatever, whatever events are happening, right? So right. these challenges, right, they entail so many different uh, categories uh, outside of our profession that they are infinitely more complex beyond our profession itself. So they don't only look for protection. Sometimes I've seen clients that look to me as a psychologist. I'm not yeah. a psychologist, but they look to you to just reassure them, hold their hand, talk to them, you know, in, in kind terms and tell them that they're not failing in life. Okay. Right. Forget protection, right? Then you talk about our profession and com- complexity exists even within our profession. For example, I can solve technological problems sometimes by applying human capital. I can take people, like for example, I was working in Indonesia 
and I was saying, oh, we're going to implement, uh, a, you know, technical security uh, systems, right? They told okay. me, be careful with that because we can hire a lot of security guards. So if you want cameras, we have eyes and ears, no problem. That, because this is human capital can be readily available. And sometimes technology is not, or good technology, right? So in our industry, we are too siloed to think in terms of how can I solve my client's problem by, uh, by taking tools from across the spectrum of our niches. Do I need executive protection here? Do I need technology here? Do I need operations and guarding here? Uh, and how do I know, how competent am I at taking those tools, evaluating them and say, oh, okay, this one will work. Or a combination of these tools uh, can work for you. So solutions, uh, solutions are never unilateral. They're never enclosed within, let's say, the niche of executive protection. Because even if you're doing a gig, even if you're protecting an executive, there are multiple other ways in which I can help them stay out of trouble without having to apply executive protection. Okay? Right. So, uh, the, so this is where I believe complexity so far has been winning against our industry. Interesting. I feel like the executive protection agent is always trying to sell security. So they're like, no, all you need is more guys. Like we can do it, you know? So there's that little, like, almost like a conflict of interest, depending on the situation. You know, if yeah. you're like one guy tasked with the job, then you mm -hmm. kind of, it's like, all right, sweet, you know, do it. I, have, I have, feel I like. Have an example for you. I have an example. Mm, for you. Uh, yeah. We were recommending uh, executive protection for one very, very prominent and controversial executive in the United States. Okay, uh, that person was all over newspapers, getting getting threats daily. Okay, mm. because of the work that uh, that person was doing. Right, we were recommending uh, executive protection to 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 that person and their family. Right, they declined it outright. They said, "No way, no how. I don't want it. I want to maintain the lifestyle that I live." Then I turned to their uh, to this person's uh, executive team and I said, mm. "What is your succession plan?" <laughs> so, so wait, yeah. But, but when there, the talent here, there's a point here. I am still trying to solve their problem. It's an organizational, right. not just that that person's problem, right? Yeah. I'm still, fine. You don't want to protect yourself in order to to run your organization. Be my guest. I can't change your mind right now, but I need the organization to be sustainable as well. So what is your succession, succession plan? plan. <laughs> That's good to go. It's very true. It's very true. And I think also, too, the conversation we're having can help uh, professionals. You know, when you got a, when you got a hammer, everything looks like a nail, man. You know what I mean? It's like, we'll just get more guys. Yeah. We'll just get more guys. You know, it's like, and, and you don't always have to do that. Um, and then... I think it also helps the clients trust you more when they see you have more tools to solve. They see the sophistication yep. of your uh, remedies, you know, and they really, it helps them look at you as a more highly sophisticated professional. Um, I've definitely seen those outcomes as well. Let's see here. New talent struggling to build necessary skills for meaningful mm. prevention of loss. What, do you, mm. what would you say about that? Well, new talent struggling to build necessary skills. So new folks getting into the game, or trying to get into the game, and uh, what they what they quickly feel and experience is they're being driven into a niche. They're literally being told, "Okay, so you want to be a threat intelligence uh, person? Uh, go go do this. You want to be a, a SOC analyst, a security operations center? You want to do do that? 
you know, you have to do this, right? You want to be in EP, uh, CP, go do this, right? And nobody tells them that as soon as you hit that niche, right, and you still present yourself as a security professional, right? Mm. How do you believe you've earned that right? Mm. Right? Why? You're in a niche, right? You have no idea about <laughs> the 90% of the industry. No idea. Okay? You simply mm. are doing a small bit. You've been on right? one or two details, yeah. Why did you earn that right to, be, to call yourself a security professional? Okay? So what else do you know? And, and I go back to the same question of how can you best facilitate protection for your clients? Through what mm. number of tools uh, uh, at your disposal can you protect your client, both a human and an organization? Right. And so I feel like like young professionals are struggling because they're led to believe that they're good enough to be to be called a professional. A lot of them even go call themselves consultants. I'm like, stop. You got to You got to stop because to be a consultant, you got to learn consulting. You have to understand how it works. There's so much more beyond just going and doing field work. Okay? Okay. So So my point is. That I'm, I, it's painful for me to see when young practitioners come to the scene, they get some prominence and they, they're talking about things. And when they're challenged, like in the conversations I hear, right? When they're challenged, well, what do you think about, uh, for example, video analytics market? I'm like, huh? What video? What's video analytics? Right? And if people start throwing, for example, product names at them, they're like, wait, 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 wait. I, you know, I don't know any of that. Other guy, find another guy. I don't know that. You gotta understand why are people buying fever detection equipment and who's selling it, right? So that you can advise your clients properly on technology, right? By the same token, a technologist, right? All they talk about is tech, 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 right? Mm -hmm. And it's very evident that teams of competent humans, if they know what they're doing, can protect. facilities and organizations sometimes better than technology mm-hmm. okay so sure. uh how as as a practitioner right how do you learn all of those skills how do you mm-hmm. not settle for just a niche of let's say threat intelligence cp uh whatever else that little niche is right so my my what i observe is the struggle by young professionals uh of of settling for a niche but thinking that they know it all. Mm. That's, my, that's my concern. Because that immediately curtails their interest and ability to be a continual learner. And to actually sometimes listen to people who may be controversial, who may say things that they don't believe and don't align with. But that is the nature of our profession. you got to learn uh, from people who you may not agree with. Okay, mm, but you yeah. have to observe what they say. You have to understand where they're coming from, and you have to take that additional knowledge so that you can be a good advisor to any uh, any uh, client that you might have. Outstanding. And what would you say? And th- is this where we get into the? Was it seven? Seven domains. Okay, no. then I'm not going to. I'm not going to rush there. <laughs> You mentioned the difference between becoming a consultant and briefly, what would you say uh, are some things people really need to know if they want to consider themselves a consultant? Like if someone's sitting there like, well, I call myself a consultant, what would you say? Well, do you do this, 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 this? How would you define a consultant? 
Well, a consultant, I think, first and foremost, is a person who, at the core, has to understand the client's business objectives, the client's objectives in general. Okay, it has to be very carefully, very good listener to, to start with. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's said very, very often. But a consultant is a person who is able to listen to the needs of the client, okay. then take a step back, look at the spectrum of available resources that can be deployed for the protection, for the, for the um, assurance of protection for this client if they're lacking certain things. They have to understand uh, how, you know, where, where are some of the threats and vulnerabilities are very carefully because sometimes I see advice that has no relation to threats and vulnerabilities, okay? So people do stuff, but then when you say, well, what's, what's the threat? Am I vulnerable, right? And so um, a, that a consultant is a person who will do the needs assessment, understand the spectrum of available uh, tools and measures on the basis of understanding the threats, the, the actors, their capabilities and intent, and the vulnerabilities that correspond with the, with the threats. So that they can then say, okay, I have this wide spectrum of different solutions, and I'm going to take different things that can work for my client, and I'm going to present it as a solution to my client. And mu much of it is done through extremely competent Verbal and nonverbal communication. Okay? This is, this is huge right here. This is like, because you can do all the other stuff correctly. You can have built, you can have built the Eiffel Tower back there, but if you cannot communicate, this is the eye of the needle. <laughs> if you can't communicate it. But do you notice, for example, do you notice about yourself that when you communicate, right, you're smiling, right? So your facial expression is yes. already exposing me to be open with you. So I, it, it's my animal brain. I'm already yeah. favorably to right. the, to your demeanor. Okay. You're laid back. Yes. You're your so, so you're combining your conversational skills with the body language. Right. Yes. So let's stop for a second. Right. Who's got classes on that? Does our industry offer classes on body language and verbal communication? <laughs> right. Just to, just check it. You know, just throwing it out there. Just throwing it out there. I touch on it in social dynamics, but nothing like I'm sure you do. Man, it's so true, man. Because, well, and, and it's also something I've seen so many new guys just the EP stance, you know, the, the connectivity and the and every time I see one of these guys, I walk up and I'm like, hey, I'm like, bro, you know, relax, man. You know, you you're you're setting you're putting out energy and you're putting out information. Your image is communication. You know what I'm saying? So, and I'm like, my friend, relax. Let me add one thing. It's yes, funny sir. because I will lose this thought. Forgive me. I just want to add to exactly. Absolutely. Have you noticed how people wear suits? In yeah. You notice how, how, people, how people pick their attire, how they wear shirts and ties, how they match colors. And sometimes you look at a guy and like, what have you been thinking? You ain't fitting in, uh, in in my gig. I can't I can't assign you if you're wearing all this. And sometimes the you know devils in the details. I've seen guys that will you know do the tie. The knot is all right, fine. So they'll do a they'll they'll pump it up, but then there's extra space so you can see the button of the shirt 
or the corners of the, the collar of the shirt is not ironed very well. And you see like these, the, the, this wrinkle over here. So, and I look at like, and I, then I could, I could measure a person top down to see, oh, what's happening with the suit? Is the suit, you know, relatively well oppressed, whatever. And my fat. God, I see so many of these things. So anyway, sorry. No, it's huge. It's huge because you you do once you you start thin slicing and you're paying attention to the little things and the way you got dressed today is the way you're going to work because it says something about your personal pride and the way you know. And this is probably the honeymoon phase, so this is our first few contacts. So this is your best. This is as good as it gets, you know. And and I'm seeing these 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 little issues. And sometimes it's ignorance. I, I try to be very careful to determine whether it's a good heart and ignorance. Or if it's just like too much swag or ego, really, you know, sure. or if it's just a lack of attention to detail. Yeah. Um, and those patterns show up by the end of the day, <laughs> you know, um, but these these things are very big. And to people that operate at certain levels, they really stand out and they cost good agents a whole yes. lot. <laughs> they could be very professional, uh, I feel, know their stuff. But at some point, you see that like they, they miss certain details that are right. most visible because what's visible to a client? You know, the, the tactical work you do is less visible to a client because they don't hey. understand it. No, what, yeah. what, how you behave uh, verbally and non-verbally, right. this is what they notice. They notice Be your body. Notice how you speak to them, um, your mm -hmm. demeanor. Uh, mm -hmm. I think um, if that's not aligned, if that's not well-practiced and well-coached, I feel, uh, that's where failures occur. Yeah, because that's where the disconnect happens. You know, Jeff's just not quite working out. That's where they sit there because your behavior and your appearance is going to directly impact their brand. The look and feel of their brand, the quality of their life, all of these things are impacted. And that's really what they care about. Like, great, you're a Navy SEAL. Cool, great. Then they don't care anymore when they see you in their world because then their social their social environments now judging you and judging them uh, off of you. <laughs> and so um, these things are, these things are very important. So it sounds like really, um, I guess what it sounds like is you're really creating a more helping private security professionals understand maybe how one dimensional or two dimensional they are when they really, really, there is just so much more of a robust package we could be focusing on and that we could be offering to the clients, really, to uh, sure. be true private security professionals. Um, well, you, you use this word protector. I mean, mm, I feel sure. that's extremely foundational for people to, to use proper terminology. And uh, if we take, and I, I fully agree, by the way, with you about the word protector, right? So if we focus on the definition of that word and how this word is perceived, right? That doesn't sound one or two dimensional. That word oh, no. is very vast, okay? right. like I said before. And so you have a spectrum of things to learn. But if you focus on just saying, fine, I want to be a protector, right? Mm -hmm. What is my spectrum of knowledge? And this is what I've been working on and trying to um, help uh, young professionals understand that the spectrum is much, much wider than mm -hmm. what they believe. Yeah, and that's what I'm excited to bring to the game. So this is where becoming a polymath of these things is really where it's at. Outstanding. Correct. 
truth be told, I had to look that word up. But anyway, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> hey. It's new to me too. Polymathy is actually an old term, but uh, think of Leonardo da Vinci. Da Vinci is the ultimate polymath. I mean, yes. that's the best analogy I can offer. But uh, um, Beautiful. yeah, being, being a protector and being a polymath is probably a good platform to, uh, to start with for anyone. Outstanding. I love it. So now we get into these skill domains. Break yeah. it down for us, brother. What do you got? How have you divided and kind of put we that spectrum are, together? You actually already uh, covered, let's say, this, this, the first skill domain, which is professional polish. Professional polish gets us in the door and it helps us stay in that space, right? Yes. That's professional polish, all right? Your, your punctuality. For example, we started our call right on the minute. Yes. Okay. <laughs> How many times have I seen agents be late or, oh, yeah, it's not a big deal. It's okay, five minutes, whatever. No. It's a big deal. <laughs> okay. So punctuality, right? Big thing. But a lot, of people, a lot of people forget being able to understand task prioritization. Like yes. uh, to, to a lot of your listeners, just look up what's called an Eisenhower matrix. That's it. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a big square subdivided into four smaller squares. And that helps you prioritize your tasks for the day. One sheet of paper. Okay? Wow. So uh, then the second, domain, the second domain is uh, psychology, right? Mm. We already touched on this, right? Yes. If you don't understand human behavior, human decision-making, human biases and human uh, cognitive heuristics, you're dead in the water. That's where I've been for like the first five, seven years of my life. I was just executing. I was like doing more. Mm -hmm. I thought it was great. And then I started noticing like my client is like, first of all, they're angry. Second of all, they're not taking a whole lot of my advice uh, or the organization is constantly cutting funding from our programs. Why is that? Okay. So that understanding of psychology is absolutely uh, important. It's, it's, it's absolutely necessary. It's everything. And if you're really not thinking, like in war, we think from the mind of the enemy constantly. You build a thing. You build your fortification. You have your set in your ambush. It's like, okay, so if I was the enemy, how would I attack me? What am I going to see? What's going to be my next move after the ambush starts? You think of all these things in executive protection. If you're not thinking from the mind of the client, you're just not playing the game. You're you're just not even in the game. Like you've constantly got to be considering their world, their motivations, their value structure, structure. And and you've got to be looking at everything and scrutinizing it through the eyes of the principal and the client. Um, So that psychology piece is gigantic because you'll, you'll make suggestions. You'll do things. You'll cut your own, you cut your own feet out from underneath you. Totally. You, know, if you don't so, really understand what they're about. And this is, it's very important you say this. I, I couldn't agree more uh, with kind of the way you're describing how this works in executive protection uh, because I'm a latecomer to this as well. Like, and, and this is my frustration. You know, and I don't want the young practitioners to spend the first 10, 15 years of their life without this knowledge. It's mm-hmm. not. It, you know, it's just not fair for our industry. It really isn't fair. Yeah. Here, for so many years, and not have built this knowledge so that a person can be set within the first couple of years. We don't have yeah. to wait. This is not exclusive. This is not. You don't get to the next level within ten years. 
it's all, you know, it's all bogus. It's the, it's the legacy problems of our industry, right? I can enable That's a true anyone. I can enable anyone. It can be a person from the street, okay? Mm-hmm. I can enable anyone within a couple of years, right? Yes. Really coaching them and giving them the, the right education, these, uh, the, the, this set of knowledge. It's, it's not a problem. It's, a, it's out there. It's just not being funneled and collected properly, which is what I've been doing. So domain and, the, and disseminated properly and yes. disseminated as well, you know, syndicated properly. I couldn't agree more. Like, this is the same stuff. Like, I- so domain three is design. Okay. So we are thinking about design in many different ways. So if I asked you how you define it, you'd probably give me a definition and it's not going to be the same as mine. That's totally right. fine. At the core design is completely around us. It's everything that enables human life, human performance. So for example, you're clicking on a keyboard button right now. Mm -hmm. That keyboard has been designed by somebody to make your experience as easy as possible. Or sometimes not as easy as possible and you find these tools to be clunky. Okay, for example. It's a disconnect. Exactly. Why do EP agents and EP teams very carefully scrutinize gear that they put in their backpacks, okay? Why is it that they have to be very careful? Does this earpiece fit me? Or does this radio piece, is it, is it workable? Can I distribute it to the team? Is it, is, are the buttons easy to press? Does it have right. all the features, right? Everything I've just said is part that's designed by somebody for someone, okay? You, so this Motorola, yeah. Well, you don't want design friction with your design while you're trying to do your work. So yes. the less friction you have with design, the more you can be mission focused, mission efficient, and mission centric. It's like, you know what I mean? And this is kind and of the game. Your clients, your clients benefit from it because you are then passing on the same uh, ability to design proper user experience. Okay, mm-hmm. these are technical words: user experience, US, right? Proper yes. user experience to your client. Exactly. Okay, and so. I put that that uh, that third domain as foundational because if, like, for example, I welcome for any of your listeners to look at something that's called, it's on YouTube, it's a set of videos that's called Norman Doors, okay? That's all you okay. need to do. Take a look at that. The Don Norman is the grandfather of design, okay? He's written one of the first comprehensive and very digestible books, uh, Design of Everyday Things, okay? So he Can talks you send, about- me, send me some links once we're oh, done? Totally. We'll put it in there for him. Awesome. Norman Doors, Don Norman, Design of Everyday Things. And by the way, interestingly, for such a high-end guy as he is, uh, the book is free. Wow. Free is the key, man. So you have no Uh, excuse. (laughs) So anyway, um, so design is domain three. And then I have four, four domains that I believe are core to our industry. Okay. One is operations. Okay, so okay. how do you run a team? How do you build talent? How do you structure your team so that it, it aligns with the rest of, you, uh, of, of the organization that, that you're a part of? Uh, how do you uh, plan? How do you uh, put processes in place? How do you design those processes? Okay. Uh, how do you manage teams and their execution? Uh, and what metrics do you have? Okay, so mm-hmm. that's part of the operational domain. Where in our industry is it being taught? Okay, well, I, I grant well, people, is, well, people that, that, say SIS does it or not. You know, well, SIS, in my humble estimation, I've been a member for a long time, not no yes. longer a member. 
they don't really have a program that teaches you operational security. They just don't. Yeah. This the and this is kind of, you know, I, I like these little things, I feel like a lot of what a lot of guys are learning out in the industry, and it actually might contribute heavily to what you're speaking about, is um, and it's something that I really crushed with my school is you just get taught how to do executive protection. And then they give you, and then they're like, you're an agent now. And then like, go out into the world and be executive protection agents. And then you go out and you think you can do it. But all these things like operational OPSEC and operational security, and even the professional polish and marketing yourself, all these things that you need to survive the social dynamics, interfacing with your client, your team, interfacing with your team's huge. The, the, you know, Royal court, all the relationships, I feel like, and and maybe it, that's been something that's contributed so heavily to it. So these guys are running around, girls are running around being like, well, I've been trained on how to do executive protection. And it's like, I'm, man, I'm 5'10", and I'm like, just kind of mediocre. And I've been running circles <laughs> around some of these situations because of leveraging the psychology and all these different things. And that's, that's what I've been trying to pass. That's what I've been trying to get out. So it's, it's, it's all, I just couldn't agree with you more. Go ahead. All right. No, super. Uh, so the, the, the next domain after operational security uh, is technical security, or I would say technological security. So think about, um, okay, so a team of agents is deployed to, let's say, somebody's residence, okay? And the resident says, oh, don't worry, I got tech cover. I got the soup to nuts video surveillance access control, I got my intrusion detection all set. Once that person utters those three terms, the agents better understand what the person just said, okay? Mm -hmm. And understand how to scrutinize what that person just said. For example, there are three companies in the United States that have been banned from providing um, video surveillance equipment to government contracts. Wow. Do you know who they are? And do you know who, what those companies are? And for who else they make their product? Because they've been OEMing product, product for other companies, American companies. So now, what do you pull out? Okay. But going back to that residence, once the person says video surveillance, access control, intrusion detection, right? If you come across a piece of hardware, piece of technology that's out there, that's, that's that you're looking at, would you be able to tell how it works or whether it's good or not? just by looking at it, would you be able to then scrutinize what kind of signal it sends to the uh, server or a computer on a, on, a, on a graphical user interface? Are you able to manipulate and uh, recalibrate the system so that it can take the signals and be more intelligent to serve the needs of the client and your team? So I just asked a bunch of questions, Yeah. right? <laughs> yes. I welcome for your community to go and explore on their past gigs what... Yes they have been facing and whether they could do, they could accomplish those things that I just asked. 100%. That's, those are skills that are compartmentalized generally to other type, like other professionals. You know what I mean? Like the, the average private executive protection agent isn't going to, you know, they're, they're going to hire someone. They're going to have a third party. They're going to bring in a vendor. They're going to, you know what I mean? Things like that. And with the operational security, it's like, if you have a mistake in this one thing, it can blow your whole entire spot up. And then the other side of that is you almost at times have to learn how to deal with the inevitable hiccups that you will have in this social media age with regards to this one thing and building contingencies around that. 
Um, you know, but I have also seen, and we've all seen agents themselves destroy things with bad operational security, you know, and it's, uh, it's very important, you know, and, and it's, it's, uh, these are things you think you shouldn't have to say, but when you see one of your, you know, one of the guys on the detail on, on social media with a picture with the client's car or something, you're like, do we have to kill him? <laughs> you're like, how, who, I didn't think I had to tell you not to do that, but here we are, you know, so these competencies, man, and I, I can already tell an, an operative with these companies is competencies is going to run circles around one who does not have them. Well, imagine, imagine a client, the same person at this residence, or let's say a corporate client coming to you yeah. and saying, okay, well, you're, you're doing, you're executing my security. You're, you're part of the EP, right? But here I am, here I am. I don't know this, but can you help me and talk to a, uh, let's say, um, an access control vendor? Mm-hmm. Will there be a pause? Right? You know what I'm saying? Like, right. will, will, will this EP agent, right, be included enough to have an intelligent conversation right. with, yeah. not only with the client, but to advise the client after having had a conversation with the uh, access control vendor? Okay? Right. If they don't understand how to scrutinize technology on behalf of their client and also in support of their operations, why do they believe that they have achieved the pinnacle of the career? Right, right. So, so this like, is where you've been saying continual learning. One hundred percent. That facilitates continual learning. That's that's the, that's my uh, second focused domain, and then I have two more. Yes, sir. I mean, it's literally like when you go to the mechanic and they're like, "Oh yeah, you've got a carburetor, air vent, coolant system out, and <laughs> it's going to be thirteen hundred dollars." And you're sitting there and you're like. What? And you're just like, I, I, I bet it's not what you're saying, but I got to pay you to get, okay. Yeah. And, and you just sit there. You're like, this is how it happens. All right. Take my money. Totally. So then um, I also take students uh, toward this, the, the two other domains the, you know, the, the one uh, is uh, physical security. And this is where it becomes dicey because a lot of people in the industry have challenged me and said, well, Ilya, you know, we are all in physical security. And I'm like, that's not correct. We're in security, but physical security is its own niche. Physical security is walls, doors, windows, blast protection, bullet protection, vehicle barriers, and so forth. The people and vehicle circulation, that's physical security. Now, how can, uh, let's say, again, the same agent that's uh, either at the residence or at the, corporates, uh, at the corporate headquarters uh, understand, right, physical protection measures? Like, for example, bullet resistance. UL ratings, uh, blast resistance, okay? What kind of tests are performed on what materials and what kind of fragmentation will happen from a blast of different magnitude? Then vehicle barriers. How do you select them? What ratings they, they have? What kind of government tests are out there, both British and American or from other countries? And what do you do with those, right? Why does everybody call every barrier a baller, which, it, mm-hmm. which it's not, okay? So... Mm-hmm. I just mentioned a lot of things mm-hmm. that constitute material within that physical security domain. So where people learn about locks and doors, okay? How do you, what kind of materials would you have, would you prefer as a protection agent uh, to reinforce a residence, okay? Mm-hmm. What kind of doors and windows would you put in? What kind of locking systems? Are they gonna be on keys? What kind of keys? What, is the, what, what, what kind of cylinders are you gonna use? Is it a master key system? So all of those questions, and I'm, 
I'm only touching on the, on the, on the tip of the iceberg here, right? He's like, this All is superficial questions. layers. This is the beginning. This is the, well, the crust, the, the pie crust. crust. <laughs> so, that's the physical security domain. And last but not least is incident management. Incident management is um, the ability to first look at the, the look at this domain from a, a very high level perspective. So I always typically start by driving attention to what FEMA has created it okay. as free training. ICS 100, okay, the um, the incident command system um, uh, training course, and then they have multiple levels. At okay. least if you want to understand incident management to some degree, right, you can start there, right? And then there are people like, for example, Eric McNulty, uh, who is at the, at the Harvard, I think they have national leader preparedness initiative, something like that. Uh, and he talks about crisis leadership uh, all the time, right? Can you perform under stress? What cognitive barriers exist to performance under duress, under mental duress, okay? Are you going to be able to give clear, concise instructions and understand how to prioritize application of resources during an incident to what assets? Like everybody says human life is most important. That's true, but there are other assets that also require attention, right? right? Are you able to function under duress, right? And how do you facilitate that readiness? How do you facilitate that response? And then how do you also learn through recovery? So what lessons are you passing on to your organization, to your team, in order to avoid the mistakes that you've made during the past incident, right? So that's incident management domain where people get to learn um, how, what, what are some of the cognitive issues? What are some of the performance issues? Yeah. Um, what are the philosophies? Flooding, what are the yeah. So that's, that's the last domain. Outstanding, man. And if, and if you're a private security professional who doesn't think you got something to learn at this point, then my hat's off to you, you know, because I definitely could brush up on them. A number of those domains, man, that's um, a very formidable and robust and uh, kind of an impressive body of information to, to have some level of mastery over, um, you know, and uh, that would for sure, um, I think you'd outperform 90% of the folks out there that are, that are in this game with those things, as long as you can articulate it and, <laughs> and get others to understand and appreciate it. You know, which, which goes back to the first couple, I guess. It's cyclical. Yeah. You know how they say it's all born out of pain. So we all yes. go through our professional lives, and at some point we say, well, you know, this is stupid. We shouldn't be doing it this way. And I've yes. asked myself so many, I've said to myself so many times, this is stupid. We shouldn't do it this way. And uh, then I started saying, well, what resources can help me to do it right? Okay. So what I've done was uh, I, I've built up my own. Uh, knowledge knowledge library, and then I said, "Well, that's also stupid. Why do I have it to myself? Right. I can share it with the next practitioner." Uh, and so that those resources that live within each of the domains, um, that's my what so I would want to say: ten years of research, wow. ten years of pulling resources. Oh, this looks good. This looks good. This would yeah. enable the next. And like, because I used to teach at John Jay in the master's degree program, right? Wow. I said, if I've taught those people for, a con for continuously, this is the platform I would want them to have. 
Uh, yeah. And because it's good to go to college, definitely. But how do you know that your knowledge doesn't dissipate after you've completed, after you've gotten your bachelor's degree, or after you've gone, let's say, through an executive protection course, right? So you've learned, even if you were doing a lot of physical exercises and they're all kind of uh, practices, right? However, if a long period of time passes between your last training and your next training, right? How do you know that you have solidified that knowledge you can execute? Yes, it's muscle memory, if you will. Um, And I'm building a muscle memory. I'm building a platform that helps constantly bring uh, that education and uh, and memorization and information retention uh, to a wider community. The internalization of the skill set. Outstanding. So what is the, so how do people work with you and how does the platform work? The platform uh, works as follows. You first sign up and you take a self-assessment test. Self-assessment across the seven domains. There are, I think, 49 questions. I like the number seven. What are you going to do? I like seven too, man. I know, right? So uh, so I did, it's a simple test. It's not, it's not, there's no, there's no prior knowledge. Let's put it that way. So you simply run across the the questions within seven domains. The system just asks you, okay, do you know this? Do you do that? And then it gives you a score and a and a chart. Okay, there's a graphical chart that says, here's where you are. You've scored high on this domain. You've scored lower on this domain. And it also opens for you a knowledge management platform. So go into domains where you feel you're lacking and start browsing through different resources that are out there so that you can start getting some knowledge. Now, to solidify I have a coaching component. So if a person starts going through these uh, domains, and obviously uh, any information will be immediately relevant to their current experience because, you know, if they're in the executive protection, fine. They'll probably think of a couple of cases where they say, I could have used this this resource, right? So a lot of people reach out to me and they say, I want to have a few coaching sessions where I'll go will design a scenario that's directly relevant to this person's, let's say, current job, current responsibility. And then I help look at some of the performance metrics that they that they demonstrate, some of the ways in which they think about how they're going to execute. And I teach them, I coach them how not to how to maximize the, the, the value of their output. Wow. Okay. And this Sounds and this is is this a one on one? Is this a, like a it could be one on one? Yeah, it could be like like you and I right now. Um, mm-hmm. It also uh, I've done uh, for example a big consulting block in the course of a month. Uh, I was mm-hmm. teaching a student consulting, uh, and uh, we designed both the timing because we did it once a week, and uh, I, I designed how each session was going to go. We created an agenda for each session together. Uh, and in the course of a month, I took a person through a consulting course. Okay. So months to have, go ahead. Uh, no, so, so and it could be either like, a, a, like two, three sessions that, that the person's choosing. They could be video or they could be uh, by phone. I prefer, of course, to see a person. Uh, yes. But also work with, uh, with groups of practitioners. So I can, I can have classes, um, sessions that are, uh, for let's say up to seven people, I think seven people is a good number. Outstanding, man! You're a gem. So not only do you have the library, the information, the experience, but you're a professor too, 
So you're experiencing the curriculum and the teaching and the, the testing and, and all of these things with this. Well, I learned too. keep in mind, because every person that uh, I work with, uh, like Atticus, like many other uh, people that I've been engaged with, I'm learning something every time. Like just, uh, they each have their own set of needs. And I yes. always adjust and I always have to say, well, you know what? I actually haven't thought about this resource that could be applicable to this situation. Uh, so let me uh, bring this and make it available to this to, to my student. Uh, and so through that experience, I'm also learning about some of the uh, problems and challenges that they're facing, which could be very unique. Um, and uh, try to help out as much as I can. I'm not really, as you said, a professor. I'm more uh, a coach. I, I love that, uh, that title. Uh, now, coaching, unfortunately, is very misunderstood because people can sometimes misunderstand that it's the same as uh, mentoring. I'm, I, can, I know how I can do mentoring, but mentoring is very different. And I actually had to prepare a slide, just a one-pager, that describes what mentoring, mentorship does and what coaching does. Okay, And so in coaching, I take a very finite detail of the person's performance on their job, and I coach them how to, how to improve on that detail or on a set of details. So it's literally specific. directly applicable, very specific. Uh, so, for example, for one student, he was preparing a plan of how to negotiate a contract with a, with a video surveillance vendor. Right? Uh, we went through a process of determining whether he was ready to negotiate on that contract and what kind of homework he needed to have done uh, in order to have the leverage over the vendor uh, that would help facilitate reduction of costs, better service, and so on. We talked about a lot of technical details in that contract that already happened. And so we, we really dive in. Wow. This is, this is very interesting to me. That leverage is where it's at, man. That's, uh, that's uh, that art of negotiation. That's where it's all at. That's good to go. I think we could literally do like 18 episodes. (laughs) Uh, We're getting to our closing questions. Um, I am very excited that we've, that Atticus connected us. Um, Definitely looking forward to, to, to blasting out a lot more of your work and then also joining forces with you with the league as well, man, because I want to get, get everyone trained up as much as possible uh, in these arts, you know, um, and specifics, so sphere state versus current counseling, uh, consulting. Current consulting, yeah. Yes. Uh, specifically, what does each company do? And then we'll get into the closing questions. Sure. Uh, so sphere state is the uh, continual learning platform. Uh, awesome. This is uh, um, basically that resource for young and aspiring professionals, spherestate.com. Current, current hyphen consulting.hk is the company where I have a directorship role uh, for the resilience practice. So my job is to actually be the consultant for a bunch of clients. And uh, current consulting does pretty much what I explained for parole. Uh, We do investigative work, we do due diligence work. Uh, Now we do resilience and uh, asset protection work. Uh, And we also have um, an advisory and inspection service for the supply chain industry. That's a biggie, and we do. Um, we have a, a lot of assets uh, that we look after in uh, in several countries, including China. Wow! So I'm sure that's gotten real interesting over the past quarter. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely outstanding. Okay, that man, 
mind blown. I'm still digesting a lot of the stuff we were talking about. Um, so one question I've added to the stack that's been interesting. Do you have anyone you would nominate to be on the podcast? Maybe someone I either no one can connect me really, with or go ahead. Yeah, you definitely need to speak with Lee Odess. Um, so, and, and, and he's probably going to yell at me for mispronouncing his last name myself, but what are you going to do? I Just think it's a, Lee O-D-E-S-S. Uh, so he runs uh, uh, a media platform for the Security uh, Industry Association, uh, and uh, his channel is called The Insight or Inside Access Control. So Inside Access Yes. And so I think you guys would definitely hit it off, and I think you, you know, he would learn a lot from you, and you would learn, I think, a lot from him. And uh, what kind of challenges he's looking at and what kind of challenges you're looking at, I think you guys would make a wonderful, wonderful conversation. Outstanding. Well, good to go. I'll have to try to reach out to him when we get in contact with him. Thank you for that lead. I appreciate it. Favorite quote, mantra, saying? Oh, man, you, you're cornering me. <laughs> and they always go out of your head when I say this. Like they just, like roaches when the lights come on, they just go flying away. No, um, I don't, I don't, uh, to be honest with you, there are so many. Uh, mm. I'm, a, I'm a big fan of, um, I'm a big fan of Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, so instead yes. of offering you a quote, I would simply point you to his work uh, and to his his podcast, which is called Revisionist History, and this is why. So he, in this last season, is demonstrating to all of us who's willing to listen what the man with the hammer problem looks like on a huge scale when mm. 500,000 lives are lost. So I think it's very important that we, we review his work and what he's thinking about. We don't have to agree, but it's very important that we pay attention to what he does because I think that for us, Beyond quotes, he's teaching us how to think. He's teaching us how to um, how to be better better global citizens, and also how to help uh, our our families, our loved ones, and our uh, and our peers. Uh, another person that I feel people should really follow is Dan Heath and uh, his last book that's called Upstream. It's all about problem solving, uh, and I think that people will hugely benefit and will be infinitely more informed uh through his work man i just want to like can you send some links afterwards i'll put it down in, in the write-up that'll awesome. be perfect you no know problem. I, no problem. outstanding and i i really like that answer to the question because it's, it's just <laughs> a much more robust answer it's like yes give me one bar you're like here are some books <laughs> here is a whole way of seeing and thinking and learning. That's outstanding, man. I, I really yeah. love it. It's a zoom out perspective. It's beautiful. Well, uh, I, I'm learning from you as well. I like how you're approaching the industry. Uh, we wouldn't have been talking if, if, if we didn't have a feel for each other that we're really striving to enable the next uh, group of practitioners. And uh, if that's all that that's important to us in our industry, I think that you know, uh, I'm 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 happy to align with that. That's that's great. So I really appreciate your time and uh, uh, putting this together. And I hope we do more of these. Outstanding. We will. We've we've got a lot more to do. There's a lot more that industry can benefit from us. Absolutely. How would you like to be remembered? As a kind and helpful person. 
Outstanding. And which goes full circle to the first question. That's essentially the inverse of the question, which is perfect. It's good to remind, believe me, you reminded this uh, of this to me. Uh, and it's nice to start my day because it's morning here in Hong Kong, right? Oh, nice beautiful. To, um, to be reminded that I need to carry myself today uh, and in the future to be kind and helpful. That's outstanding. I would, that's, it would make the world a better place if more people thought this way. Um, habit that makes you habit that you'd want to contribute to the listenership, something you think people would do better to maybe implement in their daily lives. A habit, make your bed, make your bed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because it, it sets your day, uh, on a, on a note that you, um, are, are looking at however minute, but positive results of your actions, like, and they're complete, right? So once you make your bed, that lets your brain adjust and say, oh, okay, well, you know, that means that every new task I will try to carry out to the fullest. I will be engaged. I will, I will, um, I will make sure that whatever challenge I'm facing, I'm able to sort it out to, to, to my best, uh, to the best of my ability. So, and I didn't come up with make your bed thing. I think it was uh, Admiral McRaven. I was about to say, I remember seeing like a Navy SEAL talk about that. Uh, Totally. So that's a Navy SEAL doctrine. And I'm Mm -hmm. I'm a big believer in a lot of these micro habits. Uh, In fact, I've learned about it from psychology, but McRaven kind of, they directly tactically Mm -hmm. deploy it. Yeah. And so uh, make your bed. Make your bed. Tell yourself, you know, show yourself that you complete tasks set that that tone that channel at the beginning of the be day. engaged be, be present be um, you know be humble be kind and get your stuff done yeah 100 percent outstanding and anything else about what you're up to these days and where people can find you uh um, yeah the, the links uh i will i will offer the links to you so it will be um uh, uh uh, and of course, I'm uh, doing the generalist podcast uh, on the inside with Leo Des. Uh, and um, yeah, we're doing our, our second episode is coming out, and also a very interesting conversation with a panel of multidisciplinary panel of uh, educators, PhDs in education, uh, uh, school board members, and K through 12 education enthusiasts and uh, and uh, nonprofit uh, organizers about the future of our education as a threat to national security. Ooh, that's going to be good, man. You got to send that one to me. I really like that. That's a good topic. It's so important and so relevant. I mean, when I was getting my master's degree, I was just like, really, guys? (laughs) Like, I was looking around like, really, guys? Like, I just, that's a whole nother podcast. I'll let you guys do that one. It's going to be beautiful. I'm very grateful. Thank you so very much for, for the time. Uh, it, it, like, you know, I can't be thankful enough. So thanks, thanks so much for, uh, for organizing. Outstanding. Thank you so much, Ilya. It's been an honor and a privilege to learn from you. I look thank forward you. to learning quite a, thank you, quite a bit more, sir. All right, we'll talk soon. Out. Definitely. Yo, if you're a private security professional wanting to take your game to the next level, go to executiveprotectiontrainingday.com to check out my personal success package for private security professionals. Check it out. 
executiveprotectiontrainingday.com. And remember, y'all, hard skills do save lives, but soft skills get you paid. Boom. Boom. And to support this podcast, go to executiveprotectionlifestyle.com and contribute to our Patreon account. That Patreon account is what helps me make this podcast possible, contributing to this brand, what we're doing here, making it so that I can bring better guests on, making it so that we can plan more events and just expand the contribution to the private security industry and also to make an America a safer place. Do whatever you can, contribute whatever you can because it makes all of these things possible. Thanks for those contributions. Yo, and before we go, you know I got a shout out to the sponsor, starting out with Primary Weapon Systems, PWS. They truly are the evolution of the rifle. Use Byron for 10% off. Grayman and Company, the most comfortable tactical suits in the game. Use Byron for 10% off with them. Ballistic Theory. You're going to start seeing a lot of stuff with me in Ballistic Theory because they got good ammo for good prices. Use Byron for my discount with those guys as well. Last but not least, Executive Protection Institute. Hey, go check them out and get your executive protection education on. Until the next podcast, this is Byron Rogers, protector by nature and by trade. Out. Boom.